0: Thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And so on today's show, I really want to get into the 2022 trade deadline. And really, I want to get into what the Nationals left on the table. I think they made some smart moves in moving Juan Soto and Josh Bell. But if you look at this roster, I think that there is a lot left on the table. And the Nationals could have done way more than what they really did at the deadline. And I'm going to get into that as well as a Luke Voigt little breakdown of the season as he was named one of the Silver Slugger finalists in 2022 at the designated hitter position. I'm going to get into all of that and more in today's show of Locked On Nationals. So stay tuned right after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And so thank you guys again for making Locked On Nationals your first listen. Also, give me a follow at on Twitter at RyanClary11, and you can follow the Locked On Nationals page at LO underscore Nationals over on Twitter as well. And like I was saying, I'm going to be reviewing the 2022 trade deadline for the Washington Nationals. And so let's just start here. The biggest trade of the season, one of the biggest trades in the history of sports with Juan Soto and Josh Bell getting moved to the San Diego Padres for five marquee prospects. And so on review, I broke this down about two and a half weeks ago, and I really went full in depth about the load that we got back and why the Nationals needed to trade Juan Soto when they did. And so I'll reiterate some of that here. The Nationals needed to move forward without Juan Soto. The writing was on the wall. His agent, as well as Josh Bell, they both share the same agent, and that's Scott Boris. And if you're a Nationals fan, if you're a diehard, you know what it's like to deal with Scott Boris and what he brings to the table. First off, his players are not going to sign an extension. They're going to hit free agency. That is one of his goals, and that's what he does for every single player. That's on the board for him. It is rare to see them get an extension. Rare. And I say that because his whole philosophy is that they need to hit free agency and they need to have a bidding war. Because when there's a bidding war, there's going to be more money presented to you. And that trajectory is only going to be going up. Sometimes it works out for him. Sometimes it doesn't. But I will say most of the time it does because that's how it works especially with how money crazy the MLB has been going lately. Everyone's been getting paid huge deals. AABs have been more relevant than ever. That's what people want. That's what the players want. And quite frankly, that's what the agent wants. More money for his client is more money for him. And so do I hate Scott Boris? I don't say I would hate him. Do I dislike him for having us lose all our superstars because that's his philosophy? Yes. 100%, but that's his thing, that's his gig, and I've gotten it, I now understand it, and I just have to move forward with my life, but so, I really want to take a little closer look at the trade deadline for the Nationals, because as I was saying in the intro, I think this Nationals team left a lot on the table for what they could have done at this past trade deadline. Take a look at 2021. We were selling everyone and anyone when it came down to it. Josh Harrison, Jan Gomes, Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, John Lester. Others, Daniel Hudson. Others as well that I'm blanking on. We were having a fire sale at that deadline. When you look at this past deadline, you know, we signed Nelson Cruz. To a two-year or really a one-year deal with the club option in 2023, and that's looking like that we're not going to be picking that up as we sp- sit here today. And you do that move, and everyone's kind of like, "Okay, like this is a good move. You slightly overpaid for him, but then again, like what's who cares? You just overpaid for a good hitter that you could trade at the deadline because this is a team that's going to be bad. We knew that coming into this year, but then you look at the deadline. We never traded Nelson Cruz. And partly that's because he just wasn't that effective this year at all in any capacity. His power wasn't there. He wasn't hitting for any average. He wasn't getting the extra base hits. The RBIs weren't there. He wasn't productive at the plate. And is that partly as to why we didn't trade the maybe future Hall of Famer Nelson Cruz? Maybe. Maybe. It's also hard to believe that there, you couldn't get anything for someone like that. You couldn't have a team taking a chance like the Mets, who are going for a postseason run, who would really seemingly trade anyone. The trade package you'd get in return for a 40-year-old wouldn't be much at all. Even if he was having some lights out year. I don't think the trade package would be what you would think he is. He's 40 years old, and that does go into effect when you really look at it from the top to the bottom. Because when you're trading for a 40-year-old, there's going to be a lot of injuries. And is this really sustainable success? Can we turn his season around? Is this just Nelson Cruz hitting a wall in his career? And is it just over for him? Maybe. But then again, you look at John Lester in 2021. And I, I've said this multiple times on this platform. You trade away John Lester, someone who had a 5 ERA, who was god-awful for us in 2021, flicked off all the fans when he got traded. This is a little side note that I can't stand about him. You trade him away for Lane Thomas for someone who is our team's most valuable player this year. That's what he was. Is that sad? Yeah, it is sad. But then again, also, if you can trade John Lester... Why aren't you able to trade someone like Nelson Cruz? Why aren't you able to trade someone like Carl Edwards Jr.? Maybe even Kyle Finnegan. Kyle Finnegan's been someone who's people have been talking about this this offseason and saying, why didn't we trade him at the deadline? He's been a nice, reliable reliever. Maybe Anibal Sanchez for a team that needed an emergency starter at some point, kind of like what the Cardinals needed for John Lester last year. Why couldn't you trade someone like him? And so I say that, and obviously, there has to be two tango here. It's just a lack of interest in those two guys. And really, there's more other than that, too. Supposedly, I saw a report the other day that Patrick Corbin could have been dealt for Marcelo Zuna. And now the reason why I wouldn't have done that deal, because I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to Marcelo Zuna. This is someone who... Has had a lot of trouble in the past. He got arrested for DUI earlier this year. He's had a domestic violence issue in the past as well. And so this is someone who's had a lot of issues off the field. And I really do see as to why we didn't make that move at the deadline. And that's just because you don't you don't want that on your team. Start... Starlin Castro last year, Mike Rizzo made it known. He has a zero tolerance policy for any of that with domestic abuse. Anything of that sort, he doesn't want on the table, and I respect that. So I wouldn't have made that deal either. But then you look at someone like Paolo Espino, maybe. Paulo Espino, who's someone who has kind of been a long relief guy, when you need someone to eat up four innings out of the bullpen, when your starting pitcher blows it up or stinks it up, or when you need a spot start, Paolo Espino is someone who does have value for your team because he can do that. That's kind of the role that he's adjusted to here in D.C. And would I have traded him if there was something to where you could get a trade package in return? 100%. And with that being said, I don't know if their teams were calling about Paolo Espino because he's not really a known commodity. But those are the type of packages that you want in return. You want to take a gamble on those guys because Palo Espino has means nothing for your future. And having someone be a spot starter who's in his mid-30s, who's bounced around the MLB, and really has just found his, well, he's just found a lucky situation here in D.C. to where he pitched well when he had the opportunities to last year. And he's kind of made a little name for himself. Here in DC, but that doesn't mean to say that, well, you shouldn't trade them because one, what are you going to get in return? It's a good question. But then again, you never know what you're going to get in return. Another person's trash could be another man's gold. And I'm not saying Palo Espino's trash. I'm not saying what we would have gotten in return is gold. But you never know. And I think this is the market that the Nationals need to be in moving forward. You need to be able to have a fire sale at the deadline. You need to stack up this future for this team. What are you going to get? A team 70th prospect for Palo Espino. Cool. Do it. I say do it. I think that's worth it. You kick the tires on something like that. This is a team that needs a replenish in the farm system to where maybe even get bullpen pieces for the future, get pieces in the for the future in general. You never know what these guys could turn out to be. And so this trade deadline approach this year honestly kind of made me upset because we traded Juan Soto and Josh Bell, and then you're like, all right, boom, finally. We're going to sell everyone. Anyone has a price tag on them. You make the call. And then they, they didn't really do anything. Steve Cichette, another name that the Nationals could have traded. He's a vet. He's had good years down with the Angels as well. He's bounced around the MLB. But he's pitched in meaningful games. He's pitched in meaningful innings. He didn't have a great year this year, like I was saying. But then again, this is someone you have to move at the deadline. What value does he have for this club moving forward? Think of that to yourself for a second. Cause that's how I look at it as I don't care about the three game series that we have to play against the Braves in mid August when you're the worst team in baseball. I don't care about that. I care about 2024. I care about 2025 and beyond that moving forward. That's where my eyes are set 2023. Quite frankly, I'm not that excited about it. I'm just not. And so with that being said, I don't know what we can do. I just don't know. And so that part is a little confusing to where you have pieces that you could be trading, that you could be dealing at the deadline. And what is there to be shown for it? What is there to do for this team? Because quite frankly, I just couldn't tell you. I couldn't. But before I get into more of this with the trade deadline, let me tell you about my friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, pods, and in-depth analysis on every game. (coughs) And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering info with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. So we have Thursday night football coming up in two days. I'm a big Thursday night football fan. You have the Texans and you have the Eagles. Guess what? You also have the, the Houston Astros and you have the Philadelphia Phillies on Thursday night as well for Game 5 of the World Series. I can tell you this, I'm going to be doing a little Philly double dip in that game and maybe we'll place a bet on that. And I have My friends over at Bet Online have me covered as they have you covered as well. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. And so let's get into the trade deadline even more. So to really wrap up the trade conversation for the Nationals at this deadline, what did we do to better our chances for the future of a postseason run? Think about it. We traded Juan Soto and Josh Bell, which again, as I've said, what we got in return is no joke. Robert Hassel, James Wood, Yarlan Susanna, those three guys are huge prospects. C.J. Abrams, obviously, Kenzie Gore, Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt is someone we're going to be getting to later in this show as he was a Silver Slugger finalist this year for the Nationals and as well as the Padres. But you look at someone like that, with Luke Voigt getting him in return, that's a good deal. Luke Voigt is someone in 2020, obviously, he was a COVID-shortened year, but he had a damn good season with the Yankees that year. A damn good season. He led the MLB in home runs with 22 and 60 games that year. Or actually, rather, he had about 56 games and 22 home runs. This is someone who has power. Someone who has a future in the major leagues. Someone who has continued to hit. Someone who you could really rely on to be an MLB veteran and kind of be a leader in the locker room. Kind of be a voice of reason for when you need one most. Because right now, the Nationals do lack some older leadership. And I could play a little devil's advocate here, and to look back at the deadline as to why you don't trade someone like Nelson Cruz or Steve C. Sheck or Anibal Sanchez, and a lot of them would say, "Well, we have a lot of guys. We have a lot of young guys on this team. And with a lot of young guys, we want some veterans in place that have done it before, and they we kind of want to show them the reins of what they do day in and day out, and what a veteran baseball player looks like." But I don't really buy that. I think you learn as you go on. And I think there's bets in this building already to where you could help kind of feel for that lost production of sort, you could say, out of a leader, out of a team leader, really. And so that's where I'm just kind of lost in this, to where why didn't the Nationals move more than what they did at the deadline. Why didn't we? And I want to say that that's the reason as to why they just felt like they needed a locker room presence to where they could help these young guys with CJ Abrams and a young core that are going to be moving up through the minor league systems over the next few years. And do I expect them to do the same this offseason to sign a couple of vets? Also, another guy I didn't mention, Cesar Hernandez. Cesar Hernandez is someone that we should have traded 1000%. Because I know you would have gotten something in return for him. And he had a down year this year, no denying that. There's zero denying that, in fact. I'll be the first one to say Cesar Hernandez had a bad year. Bad, not good. Why didn't you move him? What's the point of that? I couldn't tell you. Because if I was GM, and you could say the same, maybe, I would have had a fire sale at this deadline and gotten everything that you can in return. Take a good hard look at the bottom of the barrel prospects and other organizations for some guys that you think you might might not get anything for. Take a good hard look at those guys and see who could be the biggest bargain. And the Nationals just did not do that, this come around. But moving forward, could we do it? I think we could. At least I hope we could. But again, we'll be getting to that more and more as the offseason progresses with all the storylines coming into play. But thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. And so now... I really want to get into Luke Voigt and the trade deadline for the Washington Nationals. Luke Voigt. This is the one we got in return in the Juan Soto deal. He was kind of a throw-in. If you remember, Eric Hosmer, the Nat the it was supposedly it was supposed to be the one coming back in the trade return in that big package. Eric Hosmer had a no trade clause. And on one of the one of the teams on that list were the Washington Nationals. So he waived that. And he did not come to D.C. And so in return, we got Luke Voigt, which honestly, you look at it, Eric Hosmer is on a bad contract already. The reason why they were trying to get rid of Eric Hosmer is because of that bad contract. So instead of taking on that contract, as well as trading Soto and Josh Bell, the Nationals got Luke Voigt, who's still on a rookie deal. And right now, as he stands here today, he's 31 years old. He'll be 32 on opening day of next year. And he's a free agent in 2025. This is someone we have locked up in 23, 24, as well as 25. And that's a good deal. That is a good deal when you look at it. Luke Voigt, again, Silver Slugger finalist. Eric Hosmer is someone who has fallen off. He plays great defense. I'll give him that. But Luke Voigt has a better hitter. He's a better hitter right now as we stand here today. And really, if you look at it, I feel like he could be even a better leader. I don't know. The guys seem to really rally around Luke Voigt. And did he help this Nationals club kind of get hot, as you could say, for this team in the second half of the season? Yeah, I think Luke Voigt did play a role into the Nationals kind of turning it around a little at the second half of this season. When he came here, he was hitting well. With the Nationals this year, he I mean, he his numbers weren't out of this world great, but he was effective. He had a 228 batting average, he had a 295 on base percentage with a 381 slug and a 676 OPS. Those aren't very good, but then again, he's on a bad team. You have to find some bright spots, and he kind of was one. He had a lot of big-time home runs, 400-foot bombs. Those were fun to see. And really, he finished top 10 in the MVP category in 2020 with the Yankees. This is someone who's played really good baseball as of late. 2021 was kind of a down year with him with the Yankees. He didn't have all the opportunities that could have come his way. He batted 240 with a 328 OBP That was good for a 764 slugging, or 764 OPS. You know, that's not, like, it's good. That was good. It was better than his 2021 season, or his 2022 season, rather. And then in 2020, he finished top 10 in the MVP category. I would much rather take that than Eric Osmer. Eric Osmer, one, didn't want to be here. And two, he has a crappy contract that I don't want. And so we got the cheaper, less efficient deal in my mind. Some people would say, well, I want Eric Hosmer, the leader. I want Eric Hosmer, the World Series champion, the gold glove, Eric Hosmer. And to me, that just wasn't, I guess, cool and all. Eric Hosmer didn't want to be here. He's 33 years old and he signed through 2026. He's a Boris client. And the contract is just not good. It's not good. And that's the business that you don't want to be in. You don't want to be taking on extra cash for someone who doesn't really have a role with this team. Now, Eric Hosmer would have a role with this team, but he's not going to make your team any better than Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt is a very comparable player to Eric Hosmer as we sit here today. I don't think he's the defender that Hosmer is, but I think he has the bat and all the other tools as well as, ha- as Hosmer does. And I just don't really get the people clamoring over Eric Hosmer. I think we just forget that he's not that good anymore, and they wanted to move on from him and his contract for a reason. I think the Nationals got the better half of the deal with Luke Voigt, as he is someone that you can really rely on moving forward with this team. He's going to be a team leader, he's going to play an important role for this team. He's going to mentor the younger guys. He's been in big markets with the Yankees. He's been in San Diego, St. Louis. Those are big markets. Those are a lot of winners right now. They expect to win. And so now he's coming into a different environment in Washington, D.C., which again is a big market. There's no pressure. Luke Voigt has the time. He has the time to develop He's going to get an amplitude of opportunities moving forward, in my opinion, for the next few years to really solidify himself as a piece that this team can extend and move forward with in the future. Now, with that being said, do I really bank on that happening? Do I really believe that he could be that guy? Probably not. But I will say, Luke Boyd, the human, the leader... And the DH signed me up for him in this roster moving forward, coming off the bench. I don't see him as the future of first base for the Nationals. I think we're going to find that somewhere else as we go on with baseball, as we make more moves than as we sign more free agents. But Luke Voigt, certainly this next two year window for him, I think he's going to be able to make the most of his opportunities and really solidify a rule either off the bench or as a DH with the Washington Nationals moving forward. And that is something that does matter. It does. So thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, game three tonight. Let's go baseball. Dusty Baker and the Astros, please beat the Phillies. No one wants to see the Phillies win. Rob Thompson stinks, and the Phillies stink. Please don't let me eat my phone after this series. Go Astros. Go baseball. World Series baseball is back tonight.